اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لیسن نمبر سیونٹی سورة المائدہ آیہ نمبر ففٹین ٹو ٹوئنٹی سکس یا اہل الكتابی او پیپل آف دا سکرپچر او پیپل آف دا بک قد جاءکم رسولنا there has come to you our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yubayyinu lakum he is making clear for you kathiran a lot of that which much of that which mimma kuntum tukhfuna min alkitab from that which you used to hide of the book much of what you used to conceal of the scripture Now our messenger has arrived and what is he doing? He is clarifying all that you used to hide. Majority of what you used to hide. وَيَعْفُ عَنْ كَثِيرٌ And he also overlooks much. Meaning everything is not clarified, but only that which is relevant to you is clarified, and that which is not relevant anymore, that is not clarified. قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ نُورٌ وَكِتَابٌ مُبِينٌ Certainly there has come to you from Allah a light and a clear book. Over here, in this verse primarily, the people of the book, meaning the people of the Torah and the people of the Injil, and who are they? The Jews and the Christians, they are addressed. That, O people, finally the messenger has arrived. Which messenger? The one whom you were waiting for. You wanted him to come. Because Isa a.s. came approximately 600 years before Muhammad wasallam, And for that whole time, for those 600 years, there was no messenger who had been sent to the people of the book. And during this time, what happened was that the book that they had, it was basically taken over by their scholars. Their scholars had taken over the book in the sense that they kept it to themselves and they kept the people in the dark about what was in the book, what the book said. And as a result, the majority of the people, they were absolutely unaware of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed to them, of what Allah had commanded to them. The only thing they knew about the religion was whatever their scholars told them. Even though they were supposed to be people of the book, knowledgeable ones, yet they were not knowledgeable of the book. Only a certain group of people, certain individuals, they were aware of what was in the book of Allah. We have learned earlier, وَمِنْهُمْ أُمِّيُّونَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ الْكِتَابَةِ And of the people of the book are those who are unlettered, uneducated, illiterate, how that they do not know what is in the book. So the scholars, they kept the book to themselves. And they would only tell the people as much as they wanted them to know. They wouldn't tell them everything that was in the book. They would only tell them a few things. Which few things would they tell them? Through which they could have power over the people. Through which the people would remain in need of the scholars. And they wouldn't tell them the rest of it. What do you think they would hide? They would hide all those things which they themselves did not do, which the scholars themselves did not practice. Because if they told people that this is what the book of Allah says, don't consume interest or don't consume the property of the people unlawfully, then what would they do? The people would come and question the honesty, the integrity of their scholars, that what kind of people are you? That here you are saying that the book of Allah says this, while you yourself contradict it. 
in your actions, in your behavior. Likewise, their scholars had invented many things in their religion as well, which had absolutely no basis in the deen. They had invented many things in the deen, which had no basis in the book of Allah, nothing whatsoever. So if the people got access to the book, then what would happen? People would say, where in the Torah does it say we have to do this? Or where in the book of Allah does it say we don't have to do this? So again, they would be questioned by the people, they would not be trusted anymore. So the scholars, they kept the people in dark about what the book of Allah said. And they also made many changes. We have learned earlier about the tahrif that they used to do, the alteration that they used to do. يُحَرِّفُونَ الْكَلِمَةَ عَمَّ وَاضِعِهِ They would alter the words from their proper places. They would change them, distort them. And yes, this is something that the people of the book managed to do a while ago. But later on, what happened? That they couldn't keep the book to themselves anymore. Because even the common people, they got to know, they became aware However, they've invented other things in order to have their monopoly over the religious texts. But we see at the same time, something very similar happening amongst the Muslims. And what is that? That some people have as though frightened the Muslims that don't you dare try to read the book of Allah, try to understand, because if you do so, you might make a mistake, which is a big sin. Honestly, there are places in this world where people are not allowed to read the Qur'an. To study the meaning of the Qur'an rather. Because they say, you have to have the knowledge of 12 or 15 sciences of the deen before you can actually get to studying the book of Allah. Until and unless you know about the science of tajweed, you know, all the fiqh, you have the knowledge of ulum al-Qur'an, ulum al-Hadith, usul al-fiqh, all these big, big sciences. Until you have mastered all these sciences, you cannot get to the book of Allah. Which is why there are Islamic schools out there in the Muslim world where they teach everything but the tafsir of the Qur'an. Why? Because the Qur'an is too holy, it's too inaccessible to the people. You cannot comprehend it, you cannot understand it, it's the word of Allah, and you are just one person. Which is why there is a lot of opposition against those who try to make the Qur'an easily understandable to people. The thing is that the book of Allah, Allah sent to who? What do we learn in the Qur'an? Linnas, for all people, right? And all people includes men and women. It includes people who are old and also people who are young. It includes people who are very knowledgeable and also people who are not that knowledgeable. Because the book of Allah contains guidance. Everyone can benefit from it. Yes, it is not possible to understand 100% everything at once. Which is why it is never enough to study the Qur'an just once in your life. You have to study it again and again to better your understanding. But just because you cannot understand it perfectly the first time, it doesn't mean that you don't even bother to know its meanings. You have to make at least one attempt. So anyway, the people of the book, what did they do? Their scholars had concealed the book from mankind, from the people. And for that, we see that for example, today people have made touching the Qur'an so inaccessible. That you can't touch it unless and until you have done wudu and you will touch it like this and you will kiss it, you know, the cover and the top and the back and then each page you have to turn with a kiss or something. And people are like, you know what, forget it, I'm not going to bother reading it. 
What do we learn in the Qur'an? الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقْعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ Those who remember Allah, standing, sitting, reclining. And the best type of dhikr is what? The Qur'an. The recitation of the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ, when he would wake up from his sleep, even before he performed wudu, he would recite the last verses of Surah Al-Ali Imran before he would perform Qiyamul Layl. And this would be sometimes while lying down, without wudu. So if he read it, why can we not read it too? The thing is that there is a distance, you know, a barrier that is created between people and the Book of Allah. And because of this, what happens is that when you're not familiar with the Book of Allah, you're not too comfortable with it. You don't read it as much. You don't reflect on it. You don't memorize it. You find it too difficult. You find it too difficult. It feels alien almost. For example, women, if they are on their period or if uh, post-childbirth, I mean, for 40 days almost they're not praying. For 40 days, imagine they're not allowed to even read the Qur'an. How can your iman be strong if you haven't read the Qur'an in 40 days? Honestly. How is it possible? So there is a distance that is created between the book of Allah and the people. And this distance, this barrier needs to be broken. Because Allah sent this book for us, for our guidance. Yes, there are etiquette that we have to observe when we're handling the book of Allah, when we are reciting the book of Allah, but that etiquette is not you know, so difficult because of which reading the book of Allah will be impossible for us. So Allah says to the people of the book that, O oh people, our messenger has come to you, Muhammad wasallam has come to you, and he has come and he's clarifying to you much of that which you used to hide from the book. Tukhfuna is from khafaya. Ikhfa is to conceal, to hide something. So you were hiding many things of the book of Allah. First of all, the book itself. Secondly, the message that it contains, the laws that it contains. You were hiding all of that. And at the same time, the messenger, what does he do? What does arf mean? Mahu, izala, right? To wipe off, erase. So in other words, he ignores. He ignores what? عَنْ كَثِيرٍ Much. Much of what you have been hiding, he ignores it. Because when the traces have been wiped out, it's as though they don't exist. So likewise, he ignores some of that which you have concealed. So in other words, some truths, some realities that people were kept in the darkness of, the Prophet ﷺ came and exposed them. How? In the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him, in the Qur'an. And other things, they were left. They were ignored. So basically, every single thing was not opened up and exposed. Why? Because everything is not relevant anymore. Only those things which are relevant, important for people to know, they are told about. And that which is not relevant to them anymore, which is not really important for them to know, then that is not mentioned. Allah says, قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ نُورٌ there has certainly come to you from Allah a light and a clear book. Now the thing is that this ikhfa, this tahrif that the scholars did, that their knowledgeable people did, this prevented many people from the way of Allah. Because think about it. If the deen is hidden, major things about the deen are hidden, then how are people ever going to get to it? How are people ever going to practice it? 
How are people ever going to observe it? They're not going to. And like I said, when that barrier is created, people feel that the religion is so alien. They feel that they don't belong. So as a result, many people are prevented from the book of Allah. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent this messenger. And this is why He has sent this light. What is this light referring to? Light refers to the Qur'an. Because every book of Allah is light. We learn about the Torah. It is called Nur in the Qur'an. We learn about the Injil. Even that is called Nur in the Qur'an. And the Qur'an, even that is called Nur. Because what is Nur? Light. And what does light do? It enlightens its surroundings. What is in the dark, what is hidden, comes to view. You are able to see it. Something that you could not see before, now you can see it. So this book is a light, meaning its guidance, it exposes the reality to you, it clarifies many things for you, the doubts, the confusions that you had, this Qur'an, it dispels it. وَكِتَابٌ mubin. The Qur'an is also called Kitabun Mubin over here. Remember that Nur and Kitabun Mubin are the same thing. It refers to the Qur'an. Kitabun Mubin, a clear book, meaning the Qur'an is clear in its message, in its meaning, in its commands, so that nothing at all is left ambiguous to the people, unclear to the people. So in this ayah, what do we learn? The first thing we see here is that Muhammad wasallam is a messenger who was sent to all people. Not just the Arabs, but rather all of mankind. Because who is addressed in this verse? The people of the book. So even to them, Muhammad wasallam was sent as a guide. Secondly, we learn in this ayah that Muhammad wasallam, despite being an ummi, despite being a person who was unlettered, he rectified the changes, the alterations that people had made to the deen. How? He didn't have any knowledge himself. So how could he rectify the alterations that people had made to the deen? How could he fix it? Based on the knowledge that Allah gave him. Based on the wahi that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. Thirdly, we also learn in this ayah that the Qur'an is nur. It is enlightenment. What does it bring to light? Your life, your mind. You know, it's like a light bulb goes on. What does that mean? That all of a sudden... You understand, you can think, you can see, things become clear to you. All the confusions, they are removed. So this is exactly what happens. That before Qur'an, it's as though the same person is in darkness. They don't know what's happening. But once the Qur'an enters their life, what happens? It's as though everything they can see. It's as though the light has been turned on. Do you feel that yourself? Perhaps concerning your own self, you felt that you did not recognize yourself, you did not know yourself that much, your talents, your abilities, your weaknesses, your strengths. But once you learn the book of Allah, then what happens? It's as though you can literally see yourself. You can see every error of yours, every weakness of yours. You see the potential in you. I feel like being in this course and studying the Quran in this way, that I've gained a lot of wisdom that I wasn't able to gain through university, high school, or probably any other degree. So that wisdom kind of enlightens my life. Yes, because the Qur'an makes you think. It makes you think and analyze and question. Question what? Even your heart. Even the reason why you're performing an action. So it really 
makes you an enlightened person. It makes you think. It makes you use your intellect, your mind. And we see that generally people think that those who study the Qur'an, they will become backward. But what does Allah say? The exact opposite. This Qur'an is light. So those who have the book of Allah present in their lives, they're the ones who are enlightened. They're the ones who have gone through enlightenment. And those who lack the book of Allah in their lives, then they are in darkness. Because they don't know what they're doing, why they're doing it, where they're headed to, what their goal is, what their purpose is. They don't know. They have no idea, no clue. Just the other day, I was reflecting. From my kitchen window, I can see lots of birds. They come because my neighbors, they have a small pond, they come and take a bath in it, and they come on my grass, they sit down, and they spread out their wings, and they dry themselves. So basically, lots of birds, the whole morning. And then after they're done bathing and drying themselves, then they go and eat berries off of a tree, and they keep coming and going all day long. So I was just thinking, look at their lives. They get up in the morning, they wash up, they dress up, and they go find food, and they have fun, they fly around, they come back, and in the evening again they will wash up, and then they disappear, they go to their beds. And in the morning again, the same cycle begins. And I was just reflecting that there are so many people living in this whole area. What is their life about? Same thing, right? Every morning they get up, you see the lights are on, people are getting ready for work, then you see the cars are gone, and then they come back, and then people are resting. And the next morning, again, same thing happens. People get up, they get ready, they have some fun, they go make some money to get some food. Why? What's the difference between a bird's life and a human being's life? What's the difference? The difference should be that a human being also worships Allah, also thinks, does what he does to please Allah. He's living in this dunya, why? To make his akhirah. Right? To make his home in Jannah. That is supposed to be the difference. But if that's not present in a human being's life, then how is he or she different from a bird? What makes him better? Just that he eats more fancy food? Just that he showers in a more fancy place? Just that he works in a more fancy place? Or he dresses up in a more fancy way? Is that the only difference? Is that the only difference? Really, compare your life with animals. How is our life different? If the Qur'an is not in our lives, if the book of Allah is not guiding our day, our night, our work, our eating, our dressing, then there is no difference between us and animals. Absolutely none. So the Qur'an, it enlightens a person. It makes him think. It makes him useful. It makes him productive. It makes him focus on the akhirah. It makes him use common sense. It makes him use his brain. That the life that I've been given, I better make more than a bird would. I have to make the home of my hereafter right now. Not just the home of this world. So, قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ نُورٌ وَكِتَابٌ مُبِينٌ يَهْدِي بِهِ اللَّهُ Allah guides through it. Yahdi, He gives hidayah, bihi, with it, meaning through this book, who? Allah. Allah gives hidayah through this book. Remember there are two types of hidayah? The first kind is hidayah, irshad. 
ہدایت العلم اینڈ دا سیکنڈ ٹائپ آف ہدایت از ہدایت التوفیق ہدایت العمل دا فرسٹ ٹائپ از ون اللہ گائڈس میننگ ہی ٹیچ از اے پرسن ہی گیوز ہم نالج بیکاز دیٹ از آلسو گائڈنس رائٹ دیٹ فار ایگزامپل اف یو ہیو ٹو گیٹ فرام ون پلیس ٹو انادر یو نیڈ دا انفارمیشن وٹ انفارمیشن that which route should i take which road should i go on which path should i take if you're missing that information that means you don't have the guidance you're not going to get to your destination so the first thing is hidayatul ilm so when a person opens the book of allah he starts reading it what does he get hidayatul ilm he gets to know of what he has to do to make allah happy he gets to know what he has to do to go to jannah And you can't know all of this unless and until you open the book of Allah and you start reading it. Secondly, Hidayatul Amal. Hidayatul Tawfiq. That as a person keeps reading, keeps studying, the Quran reminds, it shakes him, it melts his heart, it warns him and gives him good news, involves his emotions. As a result, what happens? A person yearns to be better. He desires to improve. He wants to make Allah happy. He wants Jannah. He wants to be saved from hellfire. So as a result, when that desire to improve, when that comes, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gives a person the ability to act on the knowledge. Hidayat al-Tawfiq is also given to the person. But remember, it doesn't happen unless and until a person opens a book and starts reading it. So, Yahdi bihillahu. Allah guides through this book. If we want to learn, we need to open the book of Allah. If we want to know, we need to study the book of Allah. If we want to do something, then we need to again read the book of Allah. Because only through this, Allah gives hidayah. So, yahdi bihillahu. But there are many people who study, who learn. But only some are given the ہدایت العمل ہدایت التوفیق ہو آر دے من فالوز ہز پلیجر میننگ دا پرسن ہو فالوز اللہ پلیجر وٹ ڈز مین بائی اتبا اتبا از لٹرلی ٹو گو آفٹر ٹو فالو ان دا فٹ اسٹیپس آف سم ون سم ونز واکنگ دیر لیونگ بہائنڈ فٹ اسٹیپس اتبا از دیٹ یو فالو دیم یو پرسو دیم سو ایوری ویئر دیر گوئنگ یو فالو دیم So ittaba gives the meaning of pursuing as well. Going after. Going in order to gain, in order to catch up with. So, man ittaba the one who pursues Allah's pleasure. The one who wants to attain Allah's pleasure. And notice the word ridwan. Ridwan is from radadiyya, radiyya. What does that mean? Radiyallahu anhum wa radu anhu. To be happy. To be pleased with. Ridwan is, you can say, is the greatest form of someone's approval. Meaning when they approve 100% of what you do. So when that happens, they'll never be upset with you. If someone approves 100% of what you are doing, then what will happen? They won't be upset with you. They won't dislike anything that you're doing. For example, if there's a boss and his employee has won his heart, has proven to him that I am an asset to your company. 
And he brings him the statistics every now and then and brings him what he's doing and you know where he wants to see the company go and everything. So he has basically won the heart of his boss. He's made him very happy. Now this employee, if he shows up 10 minutes late one day, do you think his boss is going to have a problem with him? No. He's going to say, I don't mind. He's doing his work. He's getting his work done. So what if he's 10 minutes late? Likewise, if he leaves a little early, will his boss have a problem with him? Not at all. He's just happy that he has him as his employee. Because he feels that he's such an asset. If he was missing, his company would dissolve. It would finish. Likewise, the employee one day he comes and asks for a raise. You think the boss will give it to him? Yes. He will give it to him happily. If the employee comes and says, you know, I think I have to move on now. I have to go find something else for myself. What will the boss do? He will try to keep him. He will give him more incentives. So what does it mean then? That no matter what the employee does, the boss is not going to be unhappy with him. Why? Because he has earned his ridwan. This is the meaning of the word ridwan. And Allah's ridwan is something that the people will gain when they enter Jannah. Which is why when the people will be in Jannah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask them, do you want something? Should I give you something else? Would you like something more? And the people of Jannah will say, no, oh Allah, you've given us everything that we could ever want. You fulfilled every need, every wish of ours. What more could we wish for? They won't be able to think of anything. They won't be able to think of anything. That Yeah, I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that. No. They'll be just so happy with whatever Allah has given them that they'll be 100% satisfied. So Allah will keep asking them, do you want, do you want? And they will say, we have. So then Allah will say, that today I have bestowed my ridwan upon you, فَلَا أَسْخَطُ So now I will never become upset with you, أَبَدًا, ever. I will never become upset with you now. So once the people enter Jannah, then it is that they will earn Allah's ridwan, so Allah will never be upset with them. Never. No matter what they do, what they say. What happens? Allah will never be upset with them. In this dunya, what happens? You find one Ramadan and you feel so good. You know, you feel closer to Allah. You feel lighthearted. You know, you feel that the burden of sins, inshallah, is gone. You hope in Allah's mercy, in Allah's reward. But then what happens? A few days later, you find yourself making mistakes. You find yourself committing sins. Why? Because you're human being. So every now and then, we fall. In this dunya, you can't earn Allah's ridwan. You have to pursue it. You have to want to have it. And where are you going to get it? In Jannah. So the one who wants to make it to Jannah, to have Allah happy with him, so that Allah never becomes upset with him, this person who wants to make it to Jannah, Allah guides this person through what? Through the book of Allah. He guides him through the Qur'an. That you read, you learn, you recite, you practice, you are reminded, you do. Then you'll make it to Jannah. So Allah guides such people who want to make Allah happy through His book. And He guides them to what? Subul salam to the ways of peace, to the ways of security, to the ways of safety. Subul is a plural of Sabil. And Sabil is? 
pathway. And salam is when someone is safe and secure. Safe and secure. Free from any danger, from any harm, from any loss, from any destruction. This is what salam means. So he guides them through this book to the ways of peace, meaning to the ways that will lead them to ultimate peace and security. And where is that ultimate peace and security and safety? Only in Jannah. You see, every single person, what does he want? Safety. Which is why we see that we don't live on the streets, we live in a house or an apartment, whatever the home is, we live there. Why? So that we can have, we can feel safe. Then on our main doors, what do we have? Locks. Then on the house, what do we have? Set up an alarm system. Why? Because we want to be safe and secure. Likewise, if it's your money, you don't keep it in the house, you don't keep it in your pocket. Where do you keep it? In the bank. And the bank also gives you a card which anybody cannot use. Rather, it needs either your signature or it needs a code. Why? Because you want to keep your money safe. Likewise, if you have a car, you want to make sure that your car is safe so that even if it gets into an accident, you have insurance. Everyone wants safety and security. Which is why everything in this dunya, even if you buy an appliance, even if you buy... Sometimes even a garbage can. And it says 10 year warranty. Lifetime warranty. That if anything messes up, you can go take it back and it will be fixed. Why? Because you want to be safe from having to pay for it again. But tell me something. Can you find ultimate safety and security in this dunya? No. No insurance plan can fully cover you. No alarm system can always keep your house safe and secure. No food, no supplement, no miracle food is such that you eat it and you'll never become sick. You'll never become old. People try to take care of their health so much. They eat so carefully. They avoid so many things and they eat the most strange healthy things. Why? Because they want to keep their bodies fit and healthy. They don't want to age early. They don't want to get sick. They want safety. But tell me, Do they have the safety in this dunya? No. They don't. Somebody was telling me about a person whose father died of cancer. And he was a person who did not smoke, who did not eat out. I mean, he was very particular about his food. So for him to die of cancer was a big shock for everybody, that how could he die of cancer? So anyway, after his death, the entire family, they changed their Diet completely. They became so particular about what they ate. You know, they were very much into naturopathic treatments, likewise food supplements, and all these strange herbs and stuff. That's what they used to eat. And someone like this, you would think that they are physically very healthy, they don't have any sickness, nothing. But one of their family members died in an accident. In an accident. And... Every time I think about this, I feel that you can try to do as much as you want to save your body, to save yourself, to keep yourself safe and secure. But ultimately, we all have to go. This doesn't mean that we're not particular about what we eat. No, we should be. But the reality is that ultimately, everyone has to go. 
So for one person, cancer becomes a cause. For another person, accident becomes a cause. You have to go ultimately because this dunya is not the place of security. Death will come to a person even in his bed if he's meant to die. So this dunya is not a place of safety. You can never feel 100% safe and secure here. Even the people who are closest to you, whom you feel you can trust, even they can hurt you, even they can betray you, even they can harm you. The food that you were eating, thinking that it's going to make you feel better, it's going to cure you, that same food can become the cause of your death, the cause of your illness. So this dunya is not a place of safety. Where is that place of safety? What is that place of ultimate peace and security? It's Jannah. It's the home of the hereafter, where a person will never become sick. They will never see a wrinkle on their face. They will never see their hair go white. Nothing. They will never feel any pain. They will never feel any danger. In this dunya, you go to a resort or something, and you know, they tell you that you have absolute privacy here, but you feel scared. You go to a place which may be very big, You may get a house that's very big and then you get scared. What if there's jinn? You can hear things. You feel scared anywhere you go in this dunya. You go to a beautiful park, you'll be scared there. No matter how strong you try to become, you can find danger anywhere you go in this dunya. So this dunya is not a place of peace and security. The place of security is Jannah. This is why Allah wants us to go there. This is why He has sent His Messenger. This is why He has sent the Noor. This is why He has sent this book, يَهْدِي بِهِ اللَّهُ مَنِ salam. So ultimately the ways of peace are the ways to Jannah. And notice the word subul, paths, ways. Why? Because there are multiple ways to Jannah. Multiple paths to Jannah. What does it mean? You see, Jannah itself has many gates. It has many doors. One gate we know is Bab al-Rayyan. From which who will be called? The people who fast frequently. It's their habit. They fast. They will be called to Jannah from Bab al-Rayyan. Likewise, some people will be called from the gate of Sadaqah. Those who used to give Sadaqah a lot. Others will be called from the gate of Salah. And Abu Bakr anhu, he will be called from every single gate. He will be invited to enter Jannah from every single gate. So anyway, the point is that every person has different strengths, different abilities, a unique set of qualities. Everyone is not the same. One person loves to recite the Qur'an, improve his recitation, her recitation. So their focus is tajweed. And after that, tahfil. So they want to perfect their recitation. They keep reciting the Qur'an to one shaykh after the other, one teacher after the other. They keep taking one course after the other. They keep studying one text after the other. Why? Because this is what they enjoy doing. This is what they love. And through this, they want Allah's pleasure. At the same time, there could be a person whose passion is tafsir. They want to know the meaning of the Qur'an, the depth of the meaning of the Qur'an. Why? Because this is what they love to do. This is how they want to make Allah happy. This is how they want to attain Allah's pleasure. There is another person who doesn't know much about Islamic sciences, but they love to pray salah. So they're praying constantly. They pray regularly, they pray all of their sunnah and their nawafil 
regularly as a habit. Why? Because through that act they want to make Allah happy. There is another person who doesn't find himself strong enough to do this or strong enough to do that, but they love to give in charity. So they want to make Allah happy through their charity. So it doesn't mean that salah is not important. No, they have to do everything. But there's always one thing that a person excels in. That a person enjoys doing more. That when a person does that, he hopes that he will make Allah happy through that act of his. Through that striving of his. This is like Imam Bukhari when he collected his sahih. He said that this is one thing that I hope will be an argument for me on the day of judgment. This is one thing that I hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive me because of on the day of judgment. So, there's so many ways. So the thing is that the one who wants to make Allah happy, he will find something. He will find at least one thing which he will do in order to attain Allah's pleasure. But where will he find that from? Where will he discover that from? From the Qur'an. When he will read the book of Allah, then he will get ideas. Like I said earlier, the light bulb will go on. And then he will know, okay, this is what I should do. Because the thing is that when you read Qur'an, you learn about so many different good deeds that you can do. So many different good things that you can do. And what happens is that once you read and then you forget. But then the same thing is mentioned again after a little while. And the same thing is mentioned again. And then each time you read it, each time you study about it, you're motivated again. So Allah guides people through this book to the home of the hereafter, which is the home of peace. And, وَيُخْرِجُهُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ And He takes them out of darkness into the light. Through this Qur'an, He extracts people, He pulls people out of the darkness, and He puts them in light. What does it mean by darkness? When a person is in darkness, what happens is that he's not aware of his surroundings. For example, you could be at home and there's no electricity that one odd night. Possible? Yeah? Happens, right? So let's say there's no electricity, there's no light. It's your house. That's where you live. You know every corner of it, which is why even if you see a speck of dust on the ground, you go and pick it up. Other people don't notice it, but you notice it. So you know your house so well, but yet, if it is dark, can you walk easily? Can you go up and down easily? Can you find things in the cabinets easily? Can you find things on the table easily? No. What do you do? You feel everything with your hand. And then you feel with both hands. You take your phone out, shed some light on it, and then like, yeah, this is it. This is what I was looking for. Even though it's your house, you don't see things. You're not aware of your surroundings. This is a reality of the person who is in darkness of what the Qur'an says. Meaning he doesn't know the Qur'an. The Qur'an is not in his life. So then what happens? He is unaware of the various good things that he can do. A good opportunity might be in front of him, but he doesn't know. A chance to do something amazing is right before him, but he doesn't know. He has no idea. When he has no idea, he won't do it. When he won't do it, how could he make Allah happy? When he can't make Allah happy, how could he make it to Jannah? So, the Qur'an, when a person begins to study, it's as though 
if you have light on dimmers, it's as though it becomes brighter and brighter and brighter. Your life becomes brighter. When it becomes brighter, then you can see more and more opportunities to do good. More and more chances to perform good deeds. Because in the Qur'an, for instance, we learn about ihsan towards the parents. The parents who've been living with them all our lives. But when did we bother to do something to put a smile on their face? But when you read, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا then what happens? You put in extra effort to make your parents happy. The same parents in your house, you never bothered. And now you bother. Why? Because you can see. So this is exactly what happens. That وَيُخْرِجُهُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ بِإِذْنِهِ By His permission. It can only happen when Allah allows for a person to see that good, to do that good. So the Qur'an takes people out of darkness to light, out of kufr to Islam, out of ignorance into knowledge, out of bid'ah into sunnah, from following the desires to controlling the desires and obeying Allah, from ghafla and heedlessness to being alert and conscious. So how does this happen? How does this change occur? Through the book of Allah. بِإِذْنِهِ وَيَهْدِيهِمْ إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ And He guides them to the straight way. Through the book of Allah, Allah guides people to the correct way. So what do we learn in this ayah? That guidance is only in the hands of Allah. You cannot guide whomsoever you will. No matter how much you scold them, no matter how much you encourage them, no matter how much you want them to be guided, you cannot do that. Only Allah guides people. How does He guide them? Through His book. And a person has to have the desire to be guided. And then Allah will guide him. Because if a person does not wish to change, then even if he's studying the book of Allah in great detail, two hours for every two pages, it's not going to make a difference. If that desire to change is not from within. And then we also learn over here that the person who follows the deen of Allah, who follows the Qur'an, then ultimately he will attain peace and security. So the deen of Allah... Observing it takes one to safety and security. Ultimate peace and happiness. And when a person leaves it, when a person cuts it from himself, he removes it from his life, then can he ever attain happiness? No. The prime example is look at the people who earn worldly fame through their music, through their songs, through their movies, but what happens? Every now and then you hear one of them died because of drug overdose. One of them died because of such a reason. Do you read the news? Every now and then you hear this. So and so singer, so and so pop star. Because of drug abuse, because of alcohol abuse, because of all such things. What happens? They end up killing themselves. They end up dying. Even though they have money that they cannot even manage. Even though they have everything available to them, still, they're not happy. The heart is not at peace. It is not satisfied. So this is a reality. This dunya cannot make you happy. It cannot give you peace. Only you can find it in Jannah. And for that, you have to start working on it from now, with the book of Allah. Trying to earn Allah's pleasure. This will make you happy. So if people 
eliminate the Qur'an from their lives and they think they are you know, very happy inside their heart and their iman is in their heart and their taqwa is in their heart and they love Allah in their heart, it doesn't make much of a difference unless and until they follow the book of Allah. Because Allah sent this kitab as hidayah. If you eliminate the hidayah, no matter how much you desire to get to your friend's house sitting in the car, you're not going to get to your friend's house. You have to get up and drive. And you have to follow the route. Um, I was listening to a lecture and the Sheikh was talking about a group of pop stars. And it's, there's a famous group known as the Club of 27. And they're a group of musicians. And the famous thing about it is that they all commit suicide at the age of 27. And he was men- mentioning a specific star and she, I forget her name, and how she made a statement saying that I wish I cared about what people think about me. Because she lived a lifestyle where she did everything. She had money, so if she wanted to party, she partied. If she wanted to eat something, she'd eat. She didn't care about what people said or did. Yet at the age of 27, she committed suicide because she was sick of life. Because she had no guidance within her. Because how much can you eat? How much can you party? How much? Eventually, it's over, right? The fun is over. And the more you do it, the more dissatisfied you become with it. You know, it's like the more you go to a mall, eventually a time comes where you're just bored of it. I don't want to go to the mall anymore. I'm tired. I'm done. Okay, let's listen to the recitation. Ya ahlal kitab qad ja'akum rasuluna yubayyinu lakum kathiran mimma kuntum tukhfuna minal kitab. يُبَيِّنُ لَكُمْ كَثِيرًا مِّمَّا كُنْتُمْ تُخْفُونَ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَيَعْفُو عَنْ كَثِيرٌ قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ نُورٌ وَكِتَابٌ مُّبِينٌ يَهْدِي بِهِ اللَّهُ مَنِ اتَّبَعَ رِضْوَانَهُ سُبُلَ السَّلَامِ يَهْدِي بِهِ اللَّهُ مَنِ اتَّبَعَ رِضْوَانَهُ سُبُلَ السَّلَامِ وَيُخْرِجُهُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ بِإِذْنِهِ وَيَهْدِيهِمْ وَيَهْدِيهِمْ إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ 